Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. At doing a live service, uh, we have uh, Mike and Becky Tan going to leave us in live worship shortly. We have Andy Megan who's going to share um as well to lead us into a time of communion we think we can take communion today jesus has given us a great instruction to remember him through this special meal symbolically that represents his death and resurrection and on good friday it seems so appropriate that we should be doing that together we think we can be present spiritually even though not physically the apostle paul writes about that in his letters that we can join together as a family of God and remember Christ on this Good Friday. So to help us to do that, I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 15 and from verse 34. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lamath sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the son of God. It was apparent that Jesus was no mere man, that he was God and that he was dying in the place of us, taking our judgment upon himself. And Jesus is quoting at the start here, uh, the very beginning of Psalm 22, when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the first verse of Psalm 22. And really, he's referencing the whole of that psalm. It's a little bit like if I was to give you a line from Bohemian Rhapsody and say, um, why am, uh, let's think of a line from Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, is this for real life? I mean, you, hopefully you would know the next line or is it just fantasy that we kind of, that's sort of what Jesus is doing here. And he's expecting people to know that he's referencing the whole of this psalm how it starts but also how it ends and this is how it ends psalm 22 verses 30 to 31 posterity will serve him future generations will be told about the lord they will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn for he has done it jesus has done it it is finished Paid in full on the cross, all of our debt to sin. He's taken the penalty for sin, which is death on himself, separated from God. So we can be with Christ forever, free from our sin, with access right in. The temple curtain has been torn into. We've now got access into the most holy place to be with God through Jesus Christ. Our sins have been forgiven because of what Jesus God did on Good Friday 2000 plus years ago and we can rejoice in that and worship him which is what we're going to do right now. I'm going to lead us to pray and then we want to worship our amazing God. 
Lord God, we thank you so much that you came to this world to die for us, to cleanse us from our sin, that we might know you and have fellowship with you. What a saviour. Lord, we thank you. We can approach the throne of grace. It's a throne of grace. Thank you, Lord. We can approach it with confidence and boldness now. Help us to worship you. Help us to give thanks. Help us to praise you and remember you. Amen. Before this throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love.
morning uh welcome to our good friday service i'll start with an apology i think the tech problems at the beginning of this were totally my fault uh, i thought i'd mastered it and turns out i haven't um this morning very briefly just a short devotional to take us into communion we're following on from howard's palm sunday message so last week uh, on sunday we looked at luke 19 we're now going to be looking at uh, luke chapter 22 just very briefly. So if you've got Bibles, if you've got your computers up, whatever it might be, um, if you could turn to Luke chapter 22, verse 14, and we'll just start reading together. So verse 14, chapter 22, verse 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at Jesus, reclined at table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Now, last night and for the last few weeks, 
um, every evening at about eight o'clock. People all around the UK have been going out of their homes and clapping for carers. Um, we had even someone downstairs uh, smashing a, um, a teapot against their, against their window, which was quite loud. Um, someone else with a loud hailer. Um, the noise was picking up, but the, what's, what's happened, it seems, is we've almost developed a kind of sacrament as a, as a nation, because a sacrament in some way is a sacred moment to commemorate something. And at eight o'clock every Thursday, the UK is currently commemorating those who are willingly sacrificing on behalf, sacrificing themselves on behalf of many. We are remembering those who have died in service of others. We are celebrating those who are currently alive and giving themselves to others. And then we are anticipating the future victory when we have, um, with the work of science, with the work of medicine, with the work of good care systems, when we have gone through and defeated this current enemy, the coronavirus. It's a kind of sacrament. Now, that's happening every week at the moment, but every week for thousands of years, people, not just across the UK, but across the entire world, have gathered to commemorate Christ in communion. And this is a sacrament. It is a sacred moment to commemorate the one who willingly sacrificed himself on behalf of many. It remembers his death on the cross to provide forgiveness for our sins and to save us. It celebrates that he is now alive and seated in heaven and it anticipates a future day a future victory when not just one virus will be defeated and gone but every virus every disease all sin all corruption and it's all achieved on our behalf let's keep reading verse 19 jesus took bread and when he'd given thanks he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This bread speaks of God's provision. Now you could call this a waste. Jesus is wasting good food, especially at a time when uh, there's limited resource, limited food around. Um, especially back then, thousands of years ago, but even now we can slightly relate to it. But Jesus is calling us to waste good food on a religious ritual. But I think what God is trying to teach us in this is to say, trust me, I will provide you with what you need. I just saw a, a crow flying past my window and it had a large bit of bread in its beak. And it reminded me of the passage when Jesus says, don't worry about uh, provision. God provides for the birds, he'll provide for you. But actually in this passage, Jesus attaches the bread to his body and then he attaches his body to eternal life. He is saying to us as we take communion in this act, trust me because I will provide you with what you need for eternal life. And then let's skip back to verse 17 and then we'll jump ahead because we'll look at the, what he says about the wine. 
he took a cup and when he'd given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Now jump forward to verse 20. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, Jesus gave it round saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The wine speaks of God's promises to us. And you might call this drinking wine a bit premature because in this passage, Jesus is giving thanks and he's drinking wine, which is an act of celebration before anything has happened. And I think in doing this, God wants us, wants to teach us to believe and trust his promises for the future. See, Jesus attached the wine to his own blood and then attached his blood to his promises. What's going on in this passage is this is a husband promising to his bride, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then he's signing the register in his own blood. Then finally, reading verse 21, but behold, the hand of him who betrays me, that was Judas, is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined or written, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. This final verse speaks to me of God's power and hopefully speaks to us of God's power, because you could call that bizarre. Jesus is telling us that he could have stopped all of the suffering and all of the pain that he would have experienced. He could have stopped it in a moment. He knew everything that was going to happen but he didn't. He's teaching us to trust his version of events, which I think is a powerful reminder, especially now. As we take communion, we remember that we can trust God's version of events because he's attached his authority to his authorship. Jesus, when he went to the cross, was not just a willing actor who had seen the script, he hadn't just been shown the script up in heaven and said, OK, fair enough, I'll do it. No, he's telling us here he was the writer. He was the director and he is the producer of his own betrayal and his own death because he knew the end of the story. He knew that the end of the story was glory, not just for him going through the grave, being resurrected and into God's presence in heaven but for anyone who trusted in him, that they would die with him, that they would be raised with him, and they would be lifted up into God's presence for eternity. As we take this together, we can remember these things. We take bread and we trust in God's provision. We take wine and we believe his promises. And then we finish by worshiping and declaring his power. So I'm gonna pray now and then we're going to take communion in your own time, in your own homes. If you're with people, break it, share it. If you're not, perhaps break a bit off in a remembrance of the fact that you're doing this as part of a bigger picture. And then we're going to pray and then worship. So I'm going to pray now, then you guys take communion in your own time and the towns will play some music in the background. Let me pray now. Father, thank you for the gift of your son. And we pray 
now. That as we take communion as a church, spread all around London, possibly around the world, that you would knit us first to yourself in this act. Bring us to yourself. And then, Lord, knit us to one another. Make us a unified body. Lord God, we're trusting in you, we're believing in you, and we are thanking you for your death, your resurrection, and your ascension. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Lord God, we thank you so much that we are forgiven simply by faith, simply by trusting in you. You have done it all. What a savior you are. Thank you. Every stain, every blemish, every corruption, every deception, all of our sin has been taken from us as far as the east is from the west. The curse of death has gone. Lord, we praise you. We thank you. Help us to rejoice in this truth. Help us to know the victory that you won for us at the cross, Lord, especially at these times, Lord God. Help us to know it personally and help us to proclaim it powerfully that we might honor you and that many, many more might come to know the hope of salvation that can only be found in Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being part of our service. Just a few notices before you disappear. I just want to say what a great job Andy did. Becky, Mike and Ray, you can't see him, but he's been messaging us, helping us uh, know what's happening next and organizing it all administratively behind the scenes. I am so thankful for especially in times like these, to have such a great team that I can be a part of. Just a few things coming up. That's that tonight we have our Freedom Friday prayer at seven o'clock. We're praying through uh, the armor of God. Um, such a, a relevant passage from Ephesians chapter six for us um, as a church and for all Christians, I think at this time. So please join us for that 7 p.m. Freedom Friday. And then tomorrow we are doing the hashtag surprised by Jesus and um, so we'd love you to do a 60 second little video testimony post it on all different forms of social media and tell the world about the service that's going to happen on Sunday at 11 o'clock a great Easter service Guy Miller's got a super message for us there's different parts uh, bits and pieces from around the church a, a message from one of our doctors on the front line Thanksgiving stories things like this so please be there and please spread the word you can make a massive difference you can be a herald of the message of hope at this time simply by spreading the word about the link and having the courage to share your testimony telling people how has Jesus love his grace his mercy surprised you and transformed you and um, to be more like him so God bless you and we'll see you tonight hopefully at seven o'clock take care bye-bye Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.